Lasting Media. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, this is Sally Hallida. I'm the host of Sally Talk, and I'm excited to be on Glowing Up this week with Glowzell. Thank you! Woo! So much. Hi, it's Glozell. Is you okay? Because I'm not. I'm suddenly single, financially struggling, and learning how to live my life as a single mom. It's time for me to glow up. Join me on this journey as I learn life lessons from my incredibly successful friends who teach me how to glow up. From Lasting Media is Glowing Up with me, Glozell Green. Hello, this is Glozell. Is you okay? Because I'm not. <laughs> Welcome to Glowing Up with Glozell. Today, I have a very special guest because I've known her longer than anybody that's been on the show so far. And um, we are family. We're church family also. We also do our bond together. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. And uh, please introduce yourself, Sally Halada. Hi, Glozell. So happy to be here. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. That's right. We have known each other a long time. A long time. I've known you when there was three kids. That's right. I've known when you I th- had three sons. Yes, and now she has four sons. That's right. Music camp yes. and all those things with my boys when they were little. You have been in charge of some of everything at the church. First Christian Church of North Hollywood. <laughs> Shout out. There you go. Um, That's right. Sally, because when we're thinking of the lineup and we're thinking of friends giving me advice, I thought of, I'm like... Oh my gosh. Because we're doing the uh, Arbonne together. And when I say we're doing the Arbonne together, I'm like, I got to get myself together, really, to do the Arbonne. But I have everything together. Uh, I have all the, the products, and Ozell has eaten the bars, you know, so. I love Ozell. <laughs> I'm saying that publicly. I love Ozell. And I'm so thankful because you've really been uh, a great help because she's like, whenever you need me, I'm there. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, sure. But when I really needed her, she was there, and I definitely appreciate it. Oh, are you kidding me? It was so much fun to be with her. We went to the park. She was like the hit of the whole park. She is adorable. I love her so much. Because uh, for those who don't know, because I probably said in every episode, my car was stolen mysteriously uh, with my cards, my ID, and just getting around, getting to and from places. It's amazing that I've been able to get that done. Now then, when I think of a lot of things, but when you think of somebody who's gone through some hardship, just having four boys alone, I mean, I think that is tough. Yes. You know, four boys alone and then uh, divorcing. And I don't know, uh, I know that the, your boy's father has hunting. Yeah, Huntington's disease. And I don't know if that came up before the divorce, after the divorce, because, I mean, I remember him being at the church from time to time. So I really don't know. But I know that that's hard to deal with. Divorce is hard to deal with. And then that happening and, and the boys having to deal with that. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, was, it was one year. He was diagnosed one year after our divorce. Oh, wow. So it made sense. Like looking back on it, it made sense because I think there was some depression issues and things like that, that it made, I kind of understood now. And luckily it was, 
we were very amicable. Like the mm-hmm. movie Marriage Story. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't us. Like we actually, like the beginning of the movie is kind of what we did. And then we didn't do the other thing with the, we, we stayed with the mediator. So it was an amicable divorce, which was good. But then later on when he was diagnosed, it kind of made some sense. So it's always been pretty amicable, our divorce and our uh, everything. But the kids have a 50-50 chance of having Huntington's. Huntington's is kind of, a lot of people ask what it is. It's kind of a combination of Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, ALS. And it, it has a little bit of all of them. And so they're all like researching all four of those diseases because they're all similar. So uh, yeah. You just blew me away because I was thinking, I think maybe one in four might have a chance. You're saying all of them might have a 50-50 chance? Is that what you're Yeah, said? all four kids have, have a, each have a 50-50 chance. Is it- and there's a test they can take, but there's no cure. So it's just up to them if they want to take a test or not. So I, they have to be 18, and I can't do it. They, they don't let a parent do it. So it's something they decide to do. And they haven't. And they haven't. They go back and forth. And I've just told them I'm here for them for whatever. Because I don't know what it's like to have that hanging over my head. So I'm like, you guys do whatever you think is good for you. And I'll support you. And 50-50 is a huge amount. Yeah. And But if they take... and But there are... So part of the reason the Arbonne connection is that uh, healthy, if they eat healthy and they take care of themselves, they can put off the onset of the symptoms. So that's kind of the goal. And Jeff, my oldest, he always says he wants to be the healthiest person, you know, because he wants to see as healthy as he can be to put off the the symptoms. There has there ha- they have shown that that you can do that if you take good care of yourself. Wow. Okay. So so we got that. That's so so thing. how did you get in the business of Arbonne? And because was that a vehicle to help make money? Also. Oh yeah, that, yeah. Well, I cause, started because it's like twenty twenty. I think it was 27 years ago I started using because my skin was a mess. And mm-hmm. so it was the only thing that cleared my skin up because it doesn't have any harmful ingredients. And so I realized I was allergic, probably allergic to harmful chemicals and stuff. So then I, but I wasn't going to do it because it was one of those things. And I, right, Sarah, I was like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to talk not, about it. I'm not going to care. I'm, and here so, we are. I was such a snob. I was <laughs> like, no way. I was like, I'm never doing one of those things. I go to those parties and I would spend, you know, buy a mascara and that would be it. And mm-hmm. ugh. But I kind of used it. It was kind of a closet kind of using using the product. And then, um, no, I was home. I was, I was, you know, when we were first married and we were in a one-bedroom apartment and all these kids started coming. <laughs> and, and I was like a, I used to say it was like a Navajo Hogan, you know, like you'd walk in and you'd go to the left. You know, we were in a one-bedroom apartment, but it was big. Uh-huh. It was, you'll know, Miss Ann's oh, apartment building. Yeah. Yes. And that's how I knew Miss Ann. Miss so, Ann goes to, uh, went to our church. Yeah, oh, and she just recently just passed recently away. Passed away. Mm-hmm. 93, she was 93. amazing. Person. Yes. Yeah, really amazing. So anyway, I uh, so so I wanted to make some extra money and have a you know pay for get a maybe a new car to hold the kids and all that. So I was just going to make three hundred dollars a month. That was all I was going to do. Well, does so I started twenty two years ago. Working? Well, he was a lighting designer. So really, yeah. So oh, he did. Right. Oh yeah, he used to do big that's stuff. Right. Like he used to do stuff at the church. Yeah, but he used to do like Elton John's Maple Drive party before oh. he went over. He moved like after the Oscars. He used mm-hmm. to do a lot of the big, um, the big things after like the Golden Globes and stuff. And he has all. So he had all sorts of celebrity stories. He did um, Tom Cruise and uh, Nicole Kidman's wedding. Okay. Yeah. So, so he used to do some big stuff, and then when it all went to computers, he didn't want to learn that. Wow. 
So, so you, he didn't. Involve. He just didn't think. He just didn't think it was gonna Stick. pick up. He thought it was the computers were gonna go like with, with um, wow. you know, like the Rolling Stones and those big tours with the moving lights. And he never thought that it would ever go to like the events. And so he just he was really stubborn about that. He just wouldn't learn it. So stubborn. It kind of. And you know how it is in, in with any technology and things shift, and you have to go with it or you you're stuck. So. That was that was kind of what happened. Everything dried up, like a lot of the work dried up. Wow! And there was strikes. It's a long story. Like they were there were strikes as a writer strike. Yes, and I that, that affected the event people because then they didn't want to spend money on premieres, and it just it was a whole bunch of stuff. So bottom line is that you were the one that kind of like okay, I have this going. I'm going to really grow this because it's what I need right now. Yeah, and, I, and we needed it because we couldn't depend on his money. His right. money was the one we could depend on. And then all of a sudden, the Arbonne money became the money we could depend on, which was crazy. All right. Now, yeah. since then, okay, so I, you have started a, or helped with a fundraiser for your ex-husband. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We do uh, walks every year. Yeah. Walks, for Huntington, uh, yeah, for the Huntington's disease. Yeah. Huntington's Disease Society of America and the uh, Los Angeles chapter. We do the walks every year, the kids and I do. Yeah. How generous, I mean, how nice can you be? Because I cannot see myself walking... <laughs> Or skipping or jumping for yeah. an ex. I know. But time <laughs> passes, and then they're the father of your kid. Right, you know? right. He was the father of the kids. And my parents went through a divorce, and mm-hmm. and I I just, I don't know. I, was, I just tried not to have, because they get older, and they want to know who their father is. Right, and they right. want And I just didn't want to have that kind of, like, animosity, or I just, I wanted them not to have to worry about that. Like, their relationship was okay. It was just between us. I wanted to try and keep it that way. So time passes. You'll see. (laughs) Now, time has passed, and then you ended up in another relationship. Yes, I did. That was, from what I could see, it seemed great. You know, Um, someone who went to our church, um, great hair. I was like, gosh, he's got the thickest hair. Yeah, he The greatest hair And blue eyes. Yes, yes, blue eyes, yes. And so I'm just like, okay, Sally's good, rolling along, la da da the kids are doing fine, Sally's doing fine, she's got a man. And then, like, what happened? Well, it was, it was something that I knew kind of early on in our relationship. We were together, like, seven years, a little over seven years. Wow. Like, for a while, we just did lunches and stuff, and then when we started really seeing each other, it was was about seven, a little over seven years. And I knew that there were issues. I knew, I knew that he had addiction issues, but I always felt, well, he had gone through and he was pretty vocal about it. He had gone through Betty Ford for cocaine because he was an editor, you Mm -hmm. know, and television. Yeah. So he was a pretty well-known Emmy award-winning editor. And, but he had checked himself in. Mm-hmm. He was one of those people. I've been in Al-Anon for six years now. He's one of those people that would say that that had it under control. Mm-hmm. And so he was one of one of those people where all of his friends were like loved to party with him because they always thought, oh, he ha- he's living the dream. He right. can do it, right. and then he can keep the job, and he's not rock bottom, you know. So right. he realized that he had a problem. And because, well, everybody else was doing it too, mm-hmm. but he decided he, he'd go in, check himself in. Then he decided, I think, that he was only going to do like just drink alcohol. Like mm-hmm. he had it all under control. And there were some, now that we look back, I think we feel like there was some, maybe some bipolar or some depression. And then he, so he, but he managed it. But it must have been like looking back on it, it must have been just Herculean. Like my oldest son said that. He said it must have been really Herculean to be able to manage his 
everything that he had going on and still be able to be so productive and do so much and do so much for others. And right. he was kind he was of like your classic person that you just, oh, he was very giving. He was very like a lot of people that didn't know him well just would never think that he would suffer with all this. Now I, okay. My relationship, cause you know, you know, my ex soon to be ex kind of a thing. And I've often thought, okay, there's depression there. There's something there. There's the sadness. However, he always seemed to have it together. He's, you know, right now he's working very well. I, I'm asking like, oh, so how's work going to other people who work with him? Oh, he's great. And da, da, da. Like, I didn't see that part. I, I've never saw the one. He's so talkative and this and that. No, it's been very quiet and angry. There's this underlying angriness and sadness and he wouldn't go get help because he had it under control. And other everybody, I'm the only one saying like, you need to get help. Right. Everybody else is like, oh, he's great. You know? So, yeah. I don't know if that's kind of where. No, it was. Yeah, it was similar. And and he decided that he was going to leave the industry, and so he decided mm-hmm. he was going to open up a coffee shop. Right. And everybody thought, oh, that was a great idea. What a great idea! Now right. I have to say, just as a little side note, is like my kind of business. It costs forty nine dollars to come into Arbon, <laughs> right? And I get so much pushback. Like everyone goes, oh, I don't want to do that. Forty nine dollars. Coffee shop costs. A lot of money. <laughs> right. I am not going to disclose how much uh, it's, it's got into it, but thousands and it thousands. It was unbelievable, and it amazed me how dinner party after dinner party, everybody was like, "Oh, what a great idea! Yeah, you should definitely do it." And I, I was always kind of like, "Okay, you've never been in retail before." Wow. And I had managed a jewelry store when I was younger. I had managed a jewelry store in Newport Beach, a big, like, very high end, lots of you know, very valuable. Um, jewelry store and I knew what it was like to run it and I was like okay you know what you're getting into and you know don't invest so much into the business at first you know get mm-hmm. it going and then have it start paying for itself and you know I was trying to to do that but he just he, he, he was this, a this type was a of addiction, person like all or nothing yeah he was this is the type of person he was he just was and it was an admirable quality about him was because he would just dive in you mm-hmm. know and let's do it and I'm gonna do this and it's wow. really hard to start a business in California. Right. There's a lot of rules and there's a lot of stuff. And, and there's he, a lot of coffee shops. Is it still there? No, it no. Okay, it was it. The, his uh, daughter kept it going for until until the lease ran out. That mm-hmm. was another thing. He only had a three year lease. That was like it was it was complicated and okay. there was a lot to it. And so it wasn't her dream. She did a beautiful ah. job. Right. And when she contacted right. me, she said, you know, I think I don't think I'm going to be able to do this. And I said, you know what, honey, it wasn't your dream. Right. You know, it was his. Right. And so she, it was really amazing that she kept it going. It was a beautiful, it was beautiful. It was a great shop. He got into all of it and it was the pressure. Overwhelming. It overwhelmed him. And, and you knew it. And, and nothing, I knew it. There's nothing and you he, could say. He tried. Well, he tried. He went to talk to doctors and... They immediately put him on medication, mm-hmm. and for it, depression, at this yeah, point. And, mm-hmm. and anxiety and Xanax mm-hmm. and everything. And then he just wasn't good about that because he had addiction issues. So he wasn't one to take things as prescribed either. Oh. And so some of the um, alcohol issues came back, and he was juggling all of that. And so we had him. He he had an appointment for a thirty day. Two days after the opening of the of the shop, and that morning he took his life. And that and I 
found him and the whole thing. So I became, on you- February 16th, 2016, I became a suicide loss survivor. And I never in my life did I ever think that I was going to be part of that community. And it has been really one the most painful thing, obviously, that I've ever been through in my life, but also really opened my eyes to how many people out there are suffering either from the side of, you know, just struggling with their own uh, mental health issues or are struggling with loved ones who have mental health issues or recovering from someone taking their life. And there, in the Instagram community is interesting because... Instagram, I think, is like the nicer of the social medias, mm-hmm. and there's a there's a really amazing supportive Instagram community in the grief community. Right. So that's been very supportive and very helpful for all of us to reach out because we're all trying to talk more, but it's hard for us to talk. But we feel like if we talk more about it, it either will discourage someone, encourage someone to get help, and then also give support to those who've been through it. I feel like there was times, definitely, that I'm like, this man is going to kill himself. I really felt that. Like, how can you be so angry all the time? And I don't know what it is that is triggering you. So we ended up, for the most part, living separate lives, you know, because I'm like, the whole time I'm walking on eggshells, I don't want to upset him. I don't want to be upset. I don't. And you weren't doing anything like if you watch Netflix and I'm like, well, maybe when Ozil comes and Ozil comes and the anger was still there, but not directed towards her, you know. So I was like, OK, that's that's fine. That's cool. And I'm like, this is just how we live. And that's great. And we have we'll take pictures at Easter or Christmas or whatever. And, you know, I do my thing. He does his. But it just got to the point where I was just like, you know, daddy doesn't talk to you. I'm like, oh, that's fine. That's fine. That's good. And then he verbally, you know, people definitely noticed that, like, I'm doing shows. I'm doing this. He's not sharing videos. He's not showing up. And whenever fans come up to him, it just made the whole day terrible. Because, oh, you, you know, you Glozell's husband. And that triggers something. And, and it shouldn't. So I know there's something else going on. And I... I just like, why don't you get help? You can go to the VA because it'll be free and just wouldn't, wouldn't do it. So I, I felt like it's a ticking time bomb and I left and maybe that would help relieve some of the anger, mm-hmm. not right. being there. Right. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, so those are my, I mean, I've asked him before, are you going to take your life? He's like, no, I would never do that. So I was okay with thinking that that wasn't going to happen, but there was times where I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to walk into. How can you be so angry and upset? So you have literally walked in on this. Did you have any idea that um, he was capable of taking his own life? I, I, well, we, I had him. I mean, we had, I had taken him over to the doctor. We had enrolled him mm-hmm. in a 30 day rehab because I told him I'd help him through his the opening of the coffee shop, mm-hmm. which was two days before, which was a huge success. And I told him, I said, look, I'll help you. And it, I, I look back on it and think to myself, I, maybe I shouldn't have made the co- opening the important thing. Or I don't right. know. You Listen, that's what you do. You right. just spin. You constantly spin, trying to figure out what you could have done differently. We all thought he'd be better. Like everyone close, mm-hmm. you know. He's definitely not a situation where nobody close knew he was suffering. We knew he was suffering. It wasn't a question where he needed to reach out and find somebody or make a phone call. We were there. We mm-hmm. were trying to get help. One of the things is one of my long-term goals is that I would like to see how we can 
get them real help. Not a 72-hour hold mm-hmm. or any of those things. Just like really how you can help someone who's struggling through this. No, we didn't think he'd ever do anything like that. Like it was so not his nature. He definitely had his issues with his addictions and stuff. But And he would be depressed sometimes. But he was the kind of person like if you if he was here and I told him about somebody else who did what he did, mm-hmm. he would be like, no, way. no, like th- you don't do that. You don't leave your family. You don't, you don't do that. And so it just must be such a dark place that you get to. And I, th- I don't think everybody, and that's the thing, it's hard because you don't want to, sometimes when you have somebody who's bigger than life, like he was mm-hmm. and right. you he think was always he's okay, at the church. you think he's okay. Kids. Yeah. You think he's fine. Yeah. You just, you think you're overreacting mm-hmm. to jump to that conclusion. You're right. kind of like, am I overreacting? There's so much like second guessing and you think you're, you're, you know, and he'll, he'll be fine. He'll get through this. This is hard, but he'll, 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 he'll be okay. Cause he's a strong enough person. And he just, I guess he just wasn't. And so you walk something in. snapped. What, mm-hmm. So what, what, what did you see? What happened? Like what, I never knew what exactly happened. Um, well, he took, he took his life by hanging. So I found him in the, in the, uh, in the apartment, um, stairwell. So yeah, like jumped that over morning, a stairwell kind of a thing. I guess I, yeah. I don't, well, I, there was I a, there was a, there was a, a chair stool. Kind of, okay, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. That kind of, oh. And yeah, in uh, the stairwell. Uh, uh, and so uh, uh, I had stayed because I was going to take him that morning. So I was at his apartment. So I went out to look for him cause I woke up and I couldn't find him. And I found him in the stairwell. So. so, so two two days before you had this great opening, is that yes. what? Yes, mm-hmm. great opening in this coffee shop. Yeah, and at nine thirty in the morning, we had an appointment for him to go to to check himself in to a because he was part of the motion pictures, you know. So he had all this great health insurance. So he wow. was going to go into a thirty day kind of a quasi outpatient, so he could still run the coffee shop. Right. So I knew we knew there was a problem. He knew there was a problem. He was he seemed like he was ready and wanting to go. But you know, the the day before we registered for all of that and I said to them, I said, Well, can we just go now? And they said, No, we gotta do all the paperwork and, and everything. So just go tomorrow. And that's one of the things that I wished I had just kind of like driven up there and sat. But even the social worker at the doctor at the at, at the doctor's office, he said to me, just the fact that he brought you with him shows he's looking for help. He's going to be fine. Wow. So it shows, but and I'm not like mad at them. Right. It shows but how don't know. nobody understands this. Like they really don't understand this. And the 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 stories you hear when you go because I ended, you know, I I do. I'm good about doing what I'm supposed to do. So mm-hmm. I knew that I needed therapy. I knew I needed PTSD the therapy. Like you are doing a lot. Like why yeah. didn't you go like, you know what? I'm out of here. Oh, well, I'm no, out of here. Because no, and I loved he, him. And you know? you're involved. He's, he knows your boys. Yeah. And now they're going through another tragedy. How do you? That's right. How did you, how did you even well, form the I'll words? Well, I'll be honest. I'll be honest. I, when I started seeing the coffee shop, and the pressure of that and how he was, I kind of distanced them from him. So I'm not making like that mm-hmm. they didn't grieve, right. but he wasn't a constant, like in the last year or six months, he wasn't constantly over at the house. Cause I kind of was sensing that there was, I just, mm-hmm. 
And so I just kind of took advantage of his being so busy and not really. But we would still see like holidays, Mm -hmm. you know, and Christmas and stuff like that. We still were all together. My oldest son especially was really, because my oldest son was close to him before we even started dating. Right. Because he worked with them, you know, at music camp and stuff like that. I'm telling you, you don't, you don't, you wouldn't know the signs because when, because I'm sitting at the funeral hearing about addiction, I'm like, I I would see him. He was always here. He was always helping out. He was always oh, yeah. doing something. Like he was Santa John. He yes. was like every he would he would just fix things and not tell anybody. Like he'd just go through that church and fix things and 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 make things right. And especially with the youth group. That was a big he started the whole uh charity of of, of people donating to let kids go to the summer camps for free. So yeah, he no he he did a lot of stuff that people didn't realize all the things that he did under the radar. Get help, people. I don't. I mean, no one really knows all the symptoms, all the signs. I mean, you know if you're feeling this way, suicidal or just really depressed. And I know that I was getting that way because I was with someone who like didn't talk. I mean, he didn't. He doesn't know how to communicate with me. And maybe some reason like he he did say because you. It's not fair that you get to do what you want to do, and I don't. I, I'm like, I don't know how to, what, what am I supposed to, I couldn't get small enough, you know? I'm like, right. trying no. to, try, I mean, I'm in this career, and so I, me leaving, I'm thinking was probably going to help him, but he seems to still be upset and mad, but I. Well, you have to, like I said, I've been going to Al-Anon for a long time, and Al-Anon's been super helpful. When I first started going, that was when, well, that's what Explain I. Explain what that yeah, is. Yeah, because Al-Anon is, is where the, so there's AA for mm-hmm. the people who have the addictions. Mm-hmm. And so two years before um, John took his life, mm-hmm. he, he decided he was going to go sober. Mm-hmm. So I think that was part of it, too, was that he just, his his coping mechanisms, he just didn't have them I'm and he had always what used is the 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 deep lying thing because you look at him here's this white male successful blonde hair blue eyes beautiful kids like what what was the problem this is like the american dream right like what yeah what, well what? It, it's it's coping mechanisms i think it's a disease i definitely think it's a disease and i think you have a proclivity to it and then also there it's you you use that it becomes your coping mechanism of what, how you deal with stress and i think as you get older you just it, it it doesn't work. It's not, it's obviously doesn't work and it becomes less and less manageable. So uh-huh. um, when he decided, he decided he was going to go sober two years before. And so I went to Al-Anon to support him and I thought, well, you know, I'll go. And I was like, ugh, you know, I can't believe I have to go to this because I don't have a problem and why do I have right. to go? But I didn't, I wanted to go, but mm-hmm. I was still torn when I walked in and everyone in Al-Anon tells that story because they all think that they're there for the other person. Oh, come on And now. then all of a sudden you sit there and mm-hmm. you go, uh-oh, I think I need to be here because there's a pattern. And so for me, there was a pattern. It was my father who was a absolute, he was able to work and everything else, but he definitely had an alcohol addiction. It's very similar. And then there was my ex-husband who was depressed and he had, I I believe, a gaming addiction Mm because when he stopped working, he started gaming on the computer Mm -hmm. because that was a new thing. And then there was John and I went, oh my gosh, it was like a pattern. So if there's a pattern, that means that it's something... 
I used to either I'm enable or I'm around people like that, or I'm used to being around people like that. It's comfortable for me or whatever. So I have to change that pattern. And that's what Al-Anon's for. Al-Anon's for helping you give you the tools to learn how to set reasonable boundaries, you know, uh, lower your expectations instead of and trying not to control things all the time. It's it's a really, really good, it's an amazing organization where they just, all it is is just, it's group. You go in there and you sit around with a group of people mm-hmm. and everybody shares, but it's kind of controlled. There's, they have rules and stuff and it's really, it's great. So, so are you mad at John? Like I, you- I was, for a little bit I was, but mm-hmm. then I journaled and mm-hmm. I wrote, and I've never read it again, but I opened right. up a book and I just, I just, I sat up on a hilltop. Like at the top of Laurel Canyon, that beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I just wrote and wrote and wrote. And when I got to the end of it, I realized that he couldn't help it. He couldn't help it. But it affected you. He affected your kids. Yes, 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 it did. Yes, it did. And uh, but he, he, and this is what I wanted to say. If anyone listening. Mm If you think that your being here is a burden to people mm. and that they would rather you not be here, like mm-hmm. if if you're if you're going through your head thinking everybody would be better off without me, mm-hmm. you know, you're wrong and you have to get help. You're right. wrong. So there's something where you need to get help because it's not true. But you they they talk themselves into that where they believe that they're so it's not as I used to think when I was young, and I'm embarrassed to say it, that I used to think it was a selfish act. Right. But I think it's actually the opposite now. I think it's selfless. I think they really think there's they've talked themselves into the point where they think there's going to be such a burden because they're in such a dark place, mm. and they think that n- nobody's going to want to help them. Not that nobody's going to want to help them because they don't love them, but they don't want to put that on them. They don't think wow. they're going to get better. And they just think that the world is like George Bailey and it's a wonderful life, you know? Yes. And they really think that they've made a mess of it all and they'd be better off, everybody would be better off without them. And if, you, if, the, if anyone's thinking that, they're wrong. They're really wrong and they need to go and call and get help. Well, you have really, because people, because the last couple of um, interviews, people have been talking about forgiveness. I'm like, whatever. Like, you know, he's been horrible. Like, he called the police. And, and now, listening to you, I just would like to say that uh, without getting an apology, I forgive him and whatever else is coming, I forgive already. And that even just for Ozell, that if you're listening or if you know, Oh my goodness, I'm not going to cry again here, but that life is better off with you here. Be here, get the help. You know, I'm going to therapy because whatever I added to it, because you get to a point where like, whatever, then you just do you. And then, you know, and, and there's the attitude coming from me after a while, you know, so whatever I contribute to, I apologize a thousand times. Get, get help. You can't live being angry like that all the time. Because it was to the point where I'm like, I could just, I just need to go away. So if I was starting to feel like, you know, why not just drive on down the road, whatever, what can you be thinking if you're angry and upset all the time? So thank you for that. I, I don't want him to, you know, tip the chair. You know, I don't, I don't want that. I, I feel like that could easily be an out when you're so angry and upset about what I can't see as a problem. I don't know what is your problem. But like you said, that is... A disease, possibly, like he's not been diagnosed that I know of. 
And uh, I, I wish, I truly wish him the best. Me the best. Stay with us. If that's the route you're going, get help because you are angry all the time. And calling the cops on me, it's okay. Fine. We'll move on. It's it's good. Thank you, Sally. Where can we find you? I know that you have a podcast and um, Arbonne, and, and, um, which has really been great. You know, because I'm like, I'm going to start now. I'm going to do that. And I've eaten. <laughs> Ozell has helped me. But she's eaten, we eaten all the bars. I brought all, her one. I brought her yeah. a lemon one. Yeah. <laughs> I love and her I, so much. I, 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 finished, I was like, <laughs> well, oh, I'm hungry. Now, one of the, one of the things I love about one of the things I love about Armand is Armand's all about timing, and we're really not a high pressure. You know, we don't want to pressure anybody. True. It's really about timing, and it took me a long time to decide I wanted to do it as a career. You know, and and I was really grateful that my upline, you know, the person who brought me in, mm-hmm. she was very patient, and she would always just listen, and she'd be like. Whatever you want to do, you know, we're not a big, big high pressure. We don't want to pressure you into doing anything um, because we're going to be around. We've been around 40 years. Mm-hmm. We're going to be around another 40 years. <laughs> yes. We don't need to pressure people. So I love I love that. Um, yeah, I started a podcast because I have a little comedy background mm-hmm. before I got married and, and improv and things like that. I definitely like to talk. And I did a lot, so much reading and so much therapy and so much stuff. And mm-hmm. I really felt like I had something to say about what I'd been through. And Oof. I was going to write a book. I was going to do this. And then I thought, oh, I know. And I didn't talk. <laughs> podcast. I'll talk. So, like, yes, my podcast is called Sally Talk. And uh, it's I've been doing it about a year now. Wow. And, yeah, figuring. Cool. and But, you know, learning as I go. So, But the, the whole story... Um, and I, and about once a month I do another one with a, with grief or, or a, a, a survivor or anything. And my last one, I just, I just did one on Valentine's day mm-hmm. because Valentine's day is a hard, um, one. And I met a, a woman through Instagram who lost her boyfriend literally the day before John. Wow. So there's Valentine's day. Then it was her four year anniversary of his death. And then, and then mine of John's four years. So we decided we'd do this, and it was really, I thought it was a really great episode. But I think that's what I love about podcasting is that you can reach out and reach to people who need to hear and to help them. So, yes, it's, so it's called Sally Talk. It's on Spotify and it's on iTunes. So, yes, and, and I'm a guest next week, I think. You are my guest Please next remind week. Me <laughs> because I'm always like, I'm like, I'm, okay, it's the day, right? She's like, no, next week. I'm like, okay, okay. Yep. I, I, so, I, I thank you for sharing your story. I, I don't even know how you can even tell it. Like, is just so much. Well, you are amazing. I'm gonna say faith. Yeah, and you can see, like if you saw Sally, be like, oh, she's she was a cheerleader, wasn't she? She was. I'm like, you I was never. In the band. You, <laughs> <laughs> I was a drum major. <laughs> a drum major, and and you see her with the mom and the boys, and you just would never know so much that has gone on. So everybody, just be a little kinder. You know, it seemed like, oh, you, everybody's got it together. You got your house. You got your business. Da, da, da. Like, you don't know what's going on. No. You know, there's quiet moments, you know, that you have to reflect on things. And just like, wow. So I thank you so much again a million times for your story. Follow Sally. Sally Talks. You can find her on Spotify and iTunes. And iTunes. All right. And then uh, you'll check me out on that episode. I'll be on yours soon. That's right. All right. This is Glozell and Sally Howda on Glowing Up. Thank you. Woo. Oh my goodness, I had a great time. I know you did too. Glowing Up is executive produced by my friend, Josh Skinner, John Fender, Jason Barrett, and me, Glozell Green. I'm a producer. 
is edited and produced by Jonas Litton. Thanks again for listening to my little podcast. If you'd like to hear my latest episode of Glowing Up, you can visit our website at glowingup.show or you can subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And I want you to leave your ratings and reviews so I know what you're really thinking. I want to hear from you. Yes, you. You right there. Leave a review. All right. Over and out.